I'm taking energy from a kindred spirit, which mm, is fantastic. Yeah, I've, I've loved the conversation because we're bouncing up against, you know, against each other, the ideas, and we're coming from a similar yeah. place. I always get energized by that. Uh, mm, I'm also taking the um, possibility of, uh, you know, doing some things in partnership. I always love talking mm. with people and then thinking how can we actually work together and a bit like you and so we can't do this in isolation. We've got to actually no. look at how we can work with others. So I'm always interested in in those sorts of conversations and I can see mm. some potential avenues in the things that we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, look, it's one of your things there, community and partnership. So, <laughs> so we're, we're together yes. on that one, which is, uh, which mm. is good. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. Welcome to the decision table. Because we literally just have a conversation on here. So I'm excited you're here and to get to know you because I really don't know much about you at this moment. And I'm kind of excited about that because I think then we have no idea where this conversation is going to go. So are you up for it? (laughs) Absolutely. Love it. (laughs) I love that laugh. What did that laugh mean just then? Uh, that just meant that I love uh, ambiguity and, mm. uh, you know, not being sure where things are going because from that space so often innovation and new ideas and that kind of thing spring. So I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love I the love fact it. that you love that because here's the thing, not everyone does. Where's that come from for mm. you? Yeah, great question. Look, I often ask myself that question as well because it, mm. it, I don't see it clearly in other parts of my family, to be honest. Uh, and so for me, I think it's been a learnt sort of skill uh, on the road as we've been involved in uh, my family and I have been involved in so many different endeavours and so many different sort of community development sort of organisations and environments, working in, in different communities around Australia and now increasingly overseas, that it is just something that has formed in me as a love, this idea of just uh, talking, dreaming, thinking, looking at possibilities, looking at the future and uh, working with others to say, you know, how can we make this better? I love that and I think, the first thought that came to my head when you said that was I love that, obviously you love that, but I think for many people the reason it's not the norm or that it can be kind of awkward is there's so much unknown when Mm. you start, Mm. you know, going into something that maybe we don't know where we're going. And yeah, I and yeah. I wonder and, if if and you said you learned that. So how have you got yeah. to a stage, I guess, where there's not this fear of that unknown? In fact, you see it as possibility. Because yeah. I think there's a big gap between yeah. sort of that that fear of the unknown to going, hey, here's the opportunity for possibility now. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say that uh, for many around me, uh, you know, the the take that I have on life is often quite exhausting. 
uh, for them uh, because I'm coming Bring up with new ideas and, I want to hear this. new things and, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and, and for them, they sort of think, oh, <laughs> here's something else we have to try and implement. <laughs> right. Um, but, but of course, I'm right there in the implementation as, as well. So I, I think for me, um, I've had a journey of being, I guess, what we'd call a reflective practitioner. So I'm a practitioner in community development, uh, but I've taken the time throughout the journey, sometimes forced uh, through sort of burnout and exhaustion, other times uh, because it's been a space that I've wanted to enter into, uh, where mm. I've spent deliberate time looking back over my practice, looking back over the things that we've been involved in, um, looking at the, the positives, the good things that we achieved, also recognising where there were pain points and exhaustion and, uh, and those sorts of things and looking at how things could be done better. Uh, and so from that perspective, um, I've had a lot of history of trying new things, of some of it not working, mm-hmm. of, um, you know, of, of picking that up, picking myself up and saying, okay, yeah, that wasn't uh, as successful as we'd hoped um, and, and just sort of moving forward. And I remember talking to a counsellor friend of mine and I've been very lucky to have had amazing friends and opportunities uh, with people who have helped me reflect and help me journey and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of thing. And him saying to me at one point when I came to talk about a decision and we were talking it through and he said, you've already made the decision, haven't you? I said, mm-hmm. yep, I'm going for it. And he said, I can see that there's this thing in you that doesn't really care what people think. You're just going to do it. I said, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, but on the other side, on the flip side for me, there is a vulnerability there where I actually do care about you know, people's opinions and I want everyone to like me and, you know, all of that sort of thing. But I've realised yeah. that it's more important to keep going with new things and innovation, new ideas, and realise that you can't you can't make everyone happy. So you just keep moving forward. Well, I think if you do go and, and try to make everyone happy, what actually happens is nothing gets done, nothing changes. Because yep. if we're to keep everyone happy, we've got to keep it the same, Right. Yeah. That's that's how yeah. happiness works right now. Well, that's kind yeah. of how the world is is uh, you know been going for us. You know, we don't want to yeah. say the wrong yeah. words. We don't want to upset people. We want to, yep. uh, you know, I need to just do it the way you've done it because that's how we've always done it. And and yeah. that is just yeah. not going to play if you want to be innovative. Right, because yeah, if you're going to be innovative, some change has to happen. That means we're not going to do it the same as we have always done it. We may have to yeah. think differently, and we may have to do things differently for something to really truly change as we go forward. And this is definitely going to upset some people. So that whole concept of keeping people happy and and innovating to me doesn't even work together because if we do that we are just never going to see any change. That doesn't mean that I want to disrupt everything and make sure that I upset everybody. In fact, that's so not what I want. But I think it's Mm. an interesting concept because in a lot of ways our conditioning has taught us that we've got to keep everyone happy. And that, like I said, just doesn't seem to work. Any thoughts around that? Yeah, look, absolutely, 100% agree. I think you're onto it, that innovation and uh, happiness in general don't necessarily go together. 
And of course, even happiness is is perhaps not a, a brilliant measure uh, of things in and of itself, because no. happiness tends to be uh, around when the circumstances kind of suit me, uh, you know, and then I'm I'm happy. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for everyone. So, I mean, I think an example of this for me, and this is something that we're coming up against in our work. So we do a, a bit of work into the sort of with people of a lived experience of homelessness and looking at how we bring change to the homeless sector. And uh, unfortunately, that's a sector that is very entrenched in the way that things are done. So there is a system yeah. and you follow the system and you end up getting the same results. So for 20 years... The same yeah. organisations have been funded with, you know, numerous buckets of money uh, doing the same things and wondering why homelessness uh, hasn't been solved. Now, the issue And, here, in fact, it's on the uh, increase comes, in a lot of cases, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the issue here is that for many organisations, unfortunately, um, it has been about preserving the organisation. Um, mm. And so at the deepest level... Unfortunately, there feels like there's not a will to uh, kind of end homelessness uh, because if we moved in that direction, that might mean that the organisation doesn't exist anymore. How good um, would that be? And you can move on into the next thing. We can move on and do something else. But it's exactly <laughs> what you said. People don't want change. Whereas someone like myself, we say, yeah, let's fix it and then we can go on and do something else. We can all kind of reimagine what life could be like. There's, there's enough for everyone. It's okay. We don't have to be scared totally about our jobs agree. and our finances and that sort of thing. We just need to reorder and we need to rediscover what the next thing is. And we can do that together. Um, yeah. It's not a solo exercise. Oh, so I love what you're bringing up in there. And I think that it also brings up the next thought on that, if we take it even more, and that is maybe we haven't even thought enough about what if this wasn't the norm and we didn't need this now, what could that mm. next look like and how can we get excited about that and what does that actually bring as a change? Because I think it's interesting. You're talking about a sector that was so much part of my life. I was, I worked within community sector for so many years of my life. Mm. I was a youth speaker mm. for many years. I okay. started out yep. a lot of my work in this area and working with, say, street kids, um, a lot of gangs, a lot of uh, prostitutes and many, many different sectors of young people. And, uh, yep. boy, do I have some stories to tell about those things. I bet. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, but in the same way, and then working within communities to help bridge that gap between what the young people really needed and the support, but then also how does this actually bridge into reality into the community uh, going forward? And I think that one of the biggest gaps that I saw when I was involved immensely in that field was the fact that we band-aided so much. And it was mm -hmm. something that mm -hmm. I, I ended up coming out of that sector for that reason because I realised that when I came, I put on these amazing community projects and was involved mm. in it, spoke in it, helped change lives. Oh, the lives of the young people changed. No, they didn't. Because when I mm. walked away, mm. they actually went mm. straight back to their old yeah. lives. Nothing changed yeah. because I didn't give them the resources, tools to be able to actually put something in place yeah. and then give them yeah. the future steps to go, 
And this is why this is important. This is where this can be helping you as you go forward. And I think in a lot of the way that we think in this field, that we are missing those pieces of what can that and and by the way now that i work with leadership across the board it's the same pattern that i see that Mm, there is not we can see where leadership is at now we can see where it's been and by the way if we continue we're going to get the same results same concept absolutely Mm -hmm. and I don't believe that there's enough of what could future leadership look like. And so I, you know, I do a lot of my training and thinking around this need for a new approach. Mm-hmm. And going, so for me, what can uh, that look like? What would that look like? Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, throw it back absolutely. to you. So for me, uh, a few years ago when I was uh, writing my first book, I began thinking along this, this, this exact question. So I've been a community development practitioner for over 20 years. Uh, I'm starting to ask the question, what are we developing the community towards? What does that actually mean? And, of course, now increasingly having done uh, work in the majority world, um, the the question of what what are countries developing towards, you know, and uh, what are the goals here? And, of course, quite often the goals have been set by uh, Westerners who have a perception of what a developed <laughs> community looks like. Uh, and often that's around the, the economy and a thriving economy. And so mm. you have countries, to, you know, investing into infrastructure and, you know, all of these things, which may be, you know, necessary. But I think a lot of this work is done, and that's the same here in Australia, a lot of this work is done at the cost of not actually consulting those who are on the ground, um, oh, those who are it. in the communities. It. So it's mm. work that's done too. Um, the community. And so for me, I've begun to change the language. So a lot of the language that I work with is around sustainability and sustainable development goals and this sort of thing. Mm. Uh, My my PhD work that I'm in the middle of right now. Oh, yeah. And my PhD work that I'm in the middle of now, I'm advocating that the the vernacular needs to change to flourishing. That sustainability means maintaining Mm. the status quo. Uh, and so we want everyone to come up to our status quo uh, rather than asking the question of what does flourishing mean for this community? What does flourishing mean for this group of young people? What does flourishing mean for those living in the North Richmond ta- housing towers? What does it mean for those living in a community in Burundi that has just been flooded for the sixth time in a row? Mm. Um, you know, so it's it's these kinds of questions and it's questions that can be answered, yes, on a global level, uh, but very much they need to be answered contextually um, on the yeah. ground with the community and bringing in what their aspirations are and yeah. uh, helping them realise that they actually have the agency to work out those aspirations. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, honestly, it's interesting that you bring up this kind of conversation because my whole work, like I said, I began in the community sector for many years and I, I, I figured I could continue doing that. And when I realised that really what I was doing with young people was band-aiding things, we weren't really bringing long-term sustainable solutions to the table, which is what's needed, I go, what is the best way I can do that? Is it within the community sector or is there actually a different way? And then what I realised was that it was the decisions being made at top decision tables that were actually having a massive influence on what was 
being mm. done, seen, given the access to the frontline of humanity. And that began a long journey of um, my work to this day, which is to, how do we narrow that gap? between mm. the decisions being made over here and what is actually needed. And I remember the very time I got to speak on a global stage and, you know, one of the times that I did this and it was one of the pivotal moments actually where I realised that I got to, I was so proud because I got to stand up on this stage and there were so many people with all these letters after their name. And I remember just standing there going, and today I'm standing before you and I represent the voice of humanity. And it was because there were so many solutions being set at the in the room. There was all the latest AI being uh, provided and there were, like, they were phenomenal science, uh, scientists and innovators. And yet what I brought to the table was have you even asked these questions? Have you had these people at the table? Mm. Do you even know what the real problems are on the front line of humanity? Mm. Mm. And, and some things that are very, very simple that you think that everyone would take into consideration, they had not even thought of. And I remember coming mm. off the stage mm. and uh, I had actually co-spoken co on the stage and then we were interviewed afterwards as well. And um, he was the co-founder for NASA Institute, Medical Institute. Amazing mm. guy, very, very smart, loved what he had brought up and what he had, the work that they, they have been doing. But what was interesting, he whispered in my ear and he said, Kiri Marie, he said, that was the best needs analysis I've ever heard. And, you mm. know, on one side of me, I go, wow, seriously? Like, this is awesome. I've made it. And uh, mm. then on the other side of it was, oh, my goodness, this, what I spoke about today was literally A plus B equals C. It's not yeah. even scraping yeah. what is needed. But the reality mm. was that what I spoke on that day, it had never even considered being thoughts when making decisions that, by the way, wow. impact wow. communities, impact impact mm, nations mm. impact whatever um and mm, they, and i mm. go so how do we narrow that gap from from what is actually needed and required and would be really beneficial and sustainable for the frontline of humanity and decisions that are being made at other tables how do we narrow that what do you think yeah, look, I mean, it's a great it, it's a great question, and it's it's obviously at one level simple, but at another level, um, you know, really complex within the systems and and that sort of thing that are set up at the global level, you know, and how they impact what's happening in the, on the on the grassroots. Um, so for me, I saw a very similar thing, and I don't know the forum that you're talking about, but um, I was at Habitat Three. Uh, in Quito mm -hmm. in uh, 2016, where they had about um, 45,000 city leaders from around the world talking about how uh, cities develop and what that looks like and how we have yeah. sustainable cities into the future uh, and these sorts of things. And then I was at Wolf 10 in Abu Dhabi um, in 2020, just before all the coronavirus came and mm -hmm. locked everything down. Uh, but what I saw at both those events uh, is exactly what you're describing. So I went to session after session where people got up and talked about brilliant, 
innovative ideas for mm. uh, amazing you know energy generation water uh, you know all of these things uh, transport systems you know brilliant brilliant things uh, mm. and and many of them said at the end oh and 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 we'll develop community yeah and I'm like you don't know mm. what you're talking about no you don't know what you're talking about so you're going to bring these ideas um, into a community without consultation and then somehow think that around that um, the community is yeah. going to rally and uh, somehow you develop the community. But you, you don't even know, you know, in that phrase, what you're actually saying um, and then what you're expecting of the community. And yeah. so, I mean, that's just to really illustrate what, what you're saying in terms of the, you know, in terms of this massive gap. Um, in our work, what we're seeing is the need to work from the top down as well as the bottom up. So mm-hmm. it's the Desmond Tutu quote, and I won't remember the quote, but he talks about um, we've got to stop pulling people out of the river and go upstream and find out why they're falling in in the first place. So, so I mean, that's the, yeah, I mean, I mean, Archbishop Desmond Tutu <laughs> has got so much wisdom from, you know, his journey over so many years. Um, and so... For us, then, we want to work to mobilise the grassroots. And I'd challenge, like, yes, I think we, you know, that what you were talking about in terms of a, a needs analysis um, in that context uh, is, is great. But I want to challenge the concept of the need analysis, and I'm doing this with the social services and with people that we're training all around the world, and saying, mm-hmm. look, if you go into a community... And in that community, you go and you talk about and ask about all of the needs and all of the things that are going wrong, yes. um, then you're, you're actually setting the community up for failure. Because what happens is um, the, you go in, ask all of these questions, then there's an expectation from the community that you will be the one who will meet those needs. Because you I mean the saviour and fix it all. Yeah, going to be the saviour mm. and you're going to fix it all. And your organisation okay. can ride in on the white horse and, and be the hero. But yeah. then, as you were saying, and as you've seen in your own experience, when your organisation or another NGO leaves the community yeah. to go on yeah. and do something else because they've done their thing, whatever it is, then yep. the Come in on that white horse, ever- fix that thing, yes. Well, have then the community mm. is actually left worse off than before because you've created Correct. a dependency. Absolutely, yeah. And so there we are. We with a dis- disempowered, disaffected community. Um, yes. You know, and even it's not sustainable. Extent, and it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. No. Let alone flourishing. Let alone yeah. flourishing. Uh, and so, what we've been advocating for and working with communities to adopt is what we call a strength-based approach. So coming in and saying, what are the good things that are already here in this community? What's working? And what are the assets or strengths that you have um, that can actually see the community move forward? And I remember hearing this story from a wonderful friend of mine um, who was working in a community, uh, in, in an African community. And they went in and uh, they were doing this, what they call an asset map where you go and you um, map out all of the strengths, all of the good things, the perspectives that are there in the community. Mm. So they're asking this question and they said, look, what, what are the things that you have in this community that can make it better? And they go, oh, we're a very poor community. We don't have anything. We're very poor. 
And of course, that's just repeating the messages that they've heard from NGOs and from, you know, the news that they would have, uh, from their perception of the West and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So we're very needy. We, we need your help. And this went on for a while and couldn't mm-hmm. get anything out of it. So she looked out onto the field and she saw these men um, sort of cutting the grass, you know, with um, uh, with shackles or what it, not shackles, but mm-hmm. um, uh, big knives anyway. And she yeah. said, what are those things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she said, what are those things? And, and they named them. And mm-hmm. uh, she said, who's got one of those? And everyone put up their hand. Everyone had one of those because that was what they did. And so then they started, okay, we'll write that on the board. And then, you know, who has a shovel or who has a wheelbarrow? And suddenly the whiteboard was filled with the resources that they had. had. And the thinking began to change. Hang on. Maybe we do have resources. Maybe we do have agency. Uh, And so for Mm. me, one of the things that we have to do to lessen that gap that you're talking about is mobilise the local community, help them yeah, to it. change the picture that they have of themselves, both in the majority world and in the West. It's the same. It really is. It looks different, but the principles mm. are the same in my view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other part of the conversation is how we work from a top-down perspective. So working with the leaders and the decision makers and helping yeah. them see what's happening on the ground as communities are being mobilised, helping them also recognise strengths that are in their local community and how they can move away from an economic model to one that is more fit for purpose um, for local communities. Uh, And Mm. so it's a both and, in in my view. Yeah, interesting. I think, you know... You, I, I often say this, you don't know what you don't know, but when you do, there's a responsibility. And how are you going to take ownership of that? And I think, you know, many of us have kept our heads down, not wanted to see what is actually going on, and we don't know, and so there's no responsibility taken for the decisions being yeah. made and then how that plays out. And I think we have got to, as part of this new approach, we have got to go, well, what don't we know? Let's find out what we don't know. Let's create an awareness around that now so that we can actually know it now and take responsibility of what our decisions are making and how that's mm-hmm. having either a consequence or helping to add value too, right? And I think that that's, that's an interesting concept in itself. And I love what you say around both those things, and I, I, I challenge because one of the things that has come so strongly in my work within narrowing this gap from what is needed on the front line of humanity to, to the decisions being made at top mm, decision mm, tables mm. is that mm. I don't believe it's one or the other. In other words, around the fact that ec- uh, increasing economic growth and accelerating say the impact on humanity and culture right like that and often we do put them in different buckets and I actually think that you know you talk about purpose and you say it's less about that economic I actually think we can combine the two powers and it's really powerful and there is so much research around 
when we've got access to and when we've got the resources for and when we and and a lot of that has to do with economic now growth and the ability to continue to grow because that is something that is going to help not just you but those that you and, and you can give out of that even more which goes back to that other part of what you were saying which is basically something that I talk about a lot, which is what have you already got in your hand and how you're using that, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how, what that looks like. It's how are we using it? What are we using it for? And is it adding value? And I think if we can combine those things rather than it's these separate things, one or the other, and I think that that is where in a lot of our societies, a lot of our systems, a lot of our conditioning has been around these biases that say, Either it's all about the economy and we've got to do it this way and this is how it's got to be done rather than going, what is actually needed? What would be beneficial Mm. and what is already in the hands so that we can now build on that? Mm. Yeah, and I think how it's done is really important. Um, I think quite often, you know, the economy is king kind of, uh, you know, kind of attitude has been one that has left so many behind. Yeah. Uh, and I agree. So I, totally I, agree. I agree in the, you know, the sort of the idea of, you know, the, the rising tide in a way, but we so often don't see that. So mm-hmm. it's a question then of where is the place of the economy? Where is the place of business uh, in the mobilising, in the strengthening of local communities so quite often we come in with an economic agenda where perhaps we need to come in with an agenda that says um you know i'm here to learn from this community i want to be a facilitator of the gifts and the skills and the abilities that are here let's start with that conversation before we start bringing in the sort of the economic development sort of language because if the community then owns its own direction, it will be able to then control how business and economic interests work within that community. I mean, one of the classic things is around gentrification. And we see, you know, gentrification in so many of our, you know, communities around Melbourne and I'm sure all around Australia, um, where you have, uh, you know, people come in and they do up the houses and, uh, you know, all of those sorts of things. And then the people who have been living there for a long time uh, aren't able to actually live in that community anymore because they can't afford it. We saw that in Dandenong um, in, in Melbourne mm. where the community was improved, uh, you know, through uh, better roads and through a makeover and, you know, now they're building, you know, big multi-storey buildings in the centre of Dandenong uh, and all of this sort of thing. But we were there when all of this was happening and we were seeing people pushed out, the people that we were working with in the lower socioeconomic bracket who couldn't afford to live there because the prices were going up. They were getting pushed further and further, you know, into the country where there were less resources, less support, you know, all of those sorts of things. And Mm. so from a community development perspective, we'd be saying, well, how do we work within that community um, in such a way that there is an ownership of the the yes. improvement process or the gentrification process. I've heard stories in the US of people, uh, you know, coming together as a community and actually buying up land and houses and that sort of thing so that they could develop the community 
in the way mm. that they wanted to rather than outside um, people doing that. Love that. Mm. See that so to for me, me it's is a great. The economy is brought in. Mm. Yeah, for me, all I was going to say was, I love that because I think that's a great solution, right? Like where all the community came together to. But that's where I think that it doesn't need to be one or the other. It can benefit both, mm. both that you have more access to some of those things, but also that you come up with those things as well. And I don't. And this is where I think the conversation is not necessarily even going there. So I love what you bring up as this for you would be the first piece of that conversation. I think it needs to come as part of the conversation, absolutely. I just don't know that I would uh, separate those things because there's so much benefit on both sides. And, I I mean, if we start, and I, and I think that this is part of what is that pathway forward, right? Like the pathway forward is, I think everyone, if we've got more access to resources and tools and an economy is part of that, then imagine how that overflow of that can come in and, and do, right? So I know it's, it's funny because I, I often get this question, by the way, where it's I'm, I'm talking with extremes all the time. So if we think about this, we've had the front line, We've got top decision tables. It's quite an extreme in a lot of ways, right? We think of this in this moment, and I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, um, CEOs of organizations. That's over here. And then there's the community and what's here. And I think that somewhere along the line that it's not just this or this, but how can we bring some of this so that the spread is of, the benefits of all of it come out into the human race. And that's where I'd love to challenge our thinking in the way that we set Mm. things up, the way we have conversations. Because if it doesn't even become a lens at the table in which you use, then we are only ever going to look through this one. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. No, I agree with with what you're saying. And and again, for me, it's where in the conversation that comes up, and it's where yeah. you know where is the place of the economy in all of that. Uh, and we've yeah, we've had the view that economy is king, and so many of the decisions that are made at a government level are made on whether it's going to improve the GDP or yeah. Yeah. you know these kinds of things. Whereas I think there's got to be a balancing of that. So totally you know, sometimes agree. in the balancing. Yeah, and so how do we bring those things together? Because I'm all for silo breaking, uh, and we we do that. We bring a lot of different sectors together for conversations around complex issues in communities. So tell me more about that. Um, I'd love to know more about that. Yeah, so um, what we what we believe uh, is that one of the key issues in cities has been because cities have been developed in silos. So you have the community sector, you have education, health business, government, law, justice, you know, all of these sectors, and they very rarely talk together. That's uh, correct. Uh, and so decisions are made in isolation. Uh, yeah. And there's very little looking at issues as, as a whole community. So if, again, we were to take homelessness, what would it mean? And we're working towards this, actually. We haven't, we haven't mm. done this one yet. But what would it mean if we actually were, were able to bring together um, key decision makers from, you know, business, health, homeless sector, community sector, um, education, government, 
and we yes. were to have a forum uh, around what a holistic solution to homelessness might look like. And so mm -hmm. for me, it's then saying, let's bring this sort of different thinking together. So business people think different to educators um, who think different to, to health people. So mm. let's bring the different types of thinking together uh, to have a conversation, to see what innovation comes out. Where's the place of these different sectors? Where's the place of technology? Um, where are the place of um, community groups like churches and Rotary yeah. clubs and others, you know, in all coming together to say, look, this is a community issue. Let's solve it as a community. Yeah. And so are you doing these? Are you seeing it? Um, what is this just a concept? Where are you up to with this? Yeah, look, it's we've we've done some in the past. Um, we've mm. called it um, synergistic dialogue where we bring some of these different um, players together. Um, one of the key areas, and this was quite a few years ago under it with a different organisation, um, a, a few of us uh, were really concerned about the youth suicide rate in Melbourne um, in 2013. There was a spike uh, in, in youth suicides, particularly out the southeast. Mm -hmm. And um, so we thought, okay, how do we how do we have a, a you know have a voice and help young people to have a voice in this conversation? So we did two dialogues. One dialogue was bringing everyone uh, from train drivers to parents to youth workers, educators together to talk about and young people to talk about mm. youth suicide and to talk about what was happening and what was going wrong. And that one was more like a panel and a Q and A. Uh, and then the second conversation was what we called a World Cafe, where, again, we had um, a bunch of high schoolers. We had um, churches represented, the police, different arms of government, uh, youth workers. Um, not sure if we had business people at that one, certainly people involved in health. And we had a conversation, a facilitated conversation, where we dug deeper into what was going on. And i got to say, the young people were the stars of the day where they'd be that. sitting at a table, mm -hmm. you know, and we'd equalise the playing field. So everyone was mm -hmm. equal at the table and everyone could have voice. And so we were, um, you know, the young people were sitting back listening to what the professionals were saying and then they'd lean forward and go, that'll never work. I was like, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. And they were listened to. They were listened mm. to. And some of the key things that came out of that was that young people were saying, um, we want a place to belong, uh, to connect. Yeah. We want a sense that we're valued and we want purpose. And they were the things that mm. came out of the conversation. And, and we were like, let's, let's do it. I mean, it's so simple. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I love um, all of this. And by the way, a lot of my work, this is exactly what we're doing and we're trying to get happening. We just did a, um, a Leaders Movement Parlay and we've got another one in August where I'm trying to get leaders from all sorts of industries, by the way, having conversations at the table around some of seeing how we can <laughs> narrow the gap from problem to solution across the globe. And so eventually what I want to do is build up more and more around that and bring more leaders and be able to go, okay, let's do breakouts and figure out homelessness or figure out some of those things. So I really mm. love what you're talking about mm. there. So mm. dear to my heart. And then uh, the other side last year, 
And we've got another one in, in October. It's called the Global Human Intelligence Forum. And my whole thinking around running this forum is around having different voices at the table because I believe that, again, around awareness, then there's ownership and then there's change that has to be sustainable. And mm. part of that is by we've got to have different voices at the table and have different conversations. And... You know, last year when it was in the heightened time of a lot of the racial tension across the globe, uh, there was a lot of issues around, you know, things had gone sour because this pandemic had closed borders and there was a very heightened time and we had mm. many, many different voices at the table. I let people speak and have a keynote, very, very amazing people from all walks of life. There were panels and um, of many different flavours and I call them distinctions mm. at the mm. table. And uh, we we would listen to what was said and then for the keynote speakers what I did was I I interviewed just well really just had a conversation like we're doing today and mm, I sure. didn't hold back on the questions that I asked because I wanted to get behind some of it and so an example was uh, at a great friend of mine, we call each other twinsies, and he identifies himself mm -hmm. as um, American of African descent. And so he keynotes spoke and um, beautiful, beautiful message that he brought. And then I, who he knows, I don't hold back. I asked him anything mm -hmm. and everything. And at the time when racial tension was literally at that time, you didn't even want to say anything in case you you said the wrong thing. There was no holding back. Mm. And then we open forumed around it. And mm. Mm. it was such a powerful time of getting different people with different perspectives. We had young people. We had people with special needs having a voice. We had, you name it, there was just so many different, um, you know, beautiful, awesome humans with distinctions that came to the table. And mm. I we have to do this more because I believe that we need to have more of these conversations, like you said, with mm -hmm. the different industries that are decision makers on it. It's such mm. a foreign thing to our culture to do this. Mm. And, in fact, mm. what has happened is if you look at what, if we take, say, racial tension, we take, say, some of the conversations that are happening on the broader spectrum on social media, it's actually bringing more division because it's becoming more minority groups everywhere. Mm, and we're mm. not having those crossover because whether or not, maybe some would say, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to upset other people. I, you know, we, we need to just give all those people a voice, whoever those people are. And mm -hmm. what I am concerned about in something that I'm seeing is that gap between having this need to have these conversations is widening because the division is bringing that tension in there. Yeah, more polarisation, yep. Mm. Any thoughts around mm. that? Because we know we need yeah, to have look, these conversations. You and I know mm, that and mm, it's mm, so important mm. that we don't just have one type of person at that table because that's only one little Absolutely. tiny perspective. We need to have, mm. I call it, different distinctions at the table. 
Yeah. Look, I love the term, um, you know, different mm-hmm. distinctions, different um, uh, abilities, perspectives, people that bring Perfect. different things of diversity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we know that diversity is something that brings vibrancy. So if we're looking from an urban planning, urban design perspective, we want to bring diversity into our communities, different types of buildings, different types of um, yes. land use, you know, a whole range of things. And that is what will actually create uh, the vibrancy and and mean that people mm-hmm. feel safer and that they want to be around and, you know, all of those things. So that actually applies the same in what you're saying in the social environment where we want to bring people together. Look, I think there is increased polarisation. We see it on Facebook, you know, all the time, mm-hmm. people with opposing views just slamming each other. And it's yeah. not even that they're slamming the idea, they're slamming the other person, like, like yes. violently in some yeah. cases and you think oh my yeah. goodness where has the ability gone to actually just be able to disagree politely and and respectfully with each other Correct. and and that's exactly. kind of what we need to do we need to not be afraid of disagreeing with each mm-hmm. other um i mean this actually happened in my own organization where we we got to the point where we realized actually we're being a bit too polite here with each other like not that we we're, we're yeah. disrespectful but we actually want robust conversations um, to make sure that we're, yeah. you know, that we're thinking about things and that we're, um, you know, looking at the, the the different options around the table and that sort of thing. So I think it's the same in, in broader society. The only, uh, I mean, for me, again, it comes down to a, a strength-based perspective and it's working with individuals mm-hmm. and saying, look, we really need your perspective in this conversation. Now, everything that you hear today, you might not agree with. But we've yeah. got our we've got our boundaries in the way that we've set this, so it's going to be a safe space for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really want you, and we really need to have your voice. We really need the indigenous voice. We really yeah. need the African voice. We need, mm-hmm. you know, we need the the, the business voice. Um, yes, we need the young people. You know, so it's exactly yeah. what you're saying. And the only way that I can see that happening is if we assure people that it's a safe environment and that there is respect. Um, and, so, and how do we create these, these safe environments, though? And how do we, how do we build trust if they've never seen it or role modelled out there? And I think this is part of yeah. what I'm yeah. finding is really interesting right now. Is what mm. does that safe mm. space mean? That I can come, you know, mm. some of my favourite phrases I talk about in my training and what I do is things like mm. we need to be comfortable with the uncomfortable conversation. We need to agree to disagree yep. at times. Those things yep. are not yep. our normal conversations that we go, no. yes, let's come no. running to that conversation. That sounds like an awesome one. Let's let's have a yeah. conversation yep. about something that could make us feel a little uncomfortable. Like it's not really something where you go, hmm, that sounds fun, right, as a human being and as a culture yeah, across the globe right now. So mm, it's mm. quite far, some of these things. And I think I always talk about creating safe spaces and, and you know, I've got children that are on spectrums and that's one of the, the key principles to getting amazing mm. things out of them and letting them use mm. their superpowers is by creating yep. safe spaces for them to be them. And, you know, this is sort of one of the bigger conversations that I'm having right now is going, how do we create that safe space that you trust, even though you've never met me, to Mm -hmm. have, say, even a conversation like today? 
because and mm. and I want to mm. champion you for getting on here. You've never met me before. You know probably jack all about who I am and what I do. Yet you've trusted me by just having sure. a conversation, right? Mm. And and I'm loving yeah. where yeah. this conversation has gone today. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, one of the things that comes to mind as you're talking is that if the topic is interesting enough for people, they may be willing to put a toe in the water uh, and mm. to come and have a, you know, to come and have a try. Then the other thought that goes with that is that you work with those who want to work. So there's an initial group that will come and that they'll be brave they enough. They might be the innovators. They might be the ones who, you know, uh, just feel so passionate about the issue that they can't not be in the conversation. So they mm. come. You work oh, with so them. Good. You create a safe environment. You mm. say, hey, look at this. Didn't we just have this amazing conversation? We didn't all agree. It wasn't yeah. always comfortable, but we've mm. actually walked away as friends. Isn't that amazing? Go and tell others who are passionate like you that yeah. we are having these conversations. And then when the next mm. one comes up, bring them in because you know it's a safe space. I love and then it. hopefully we, we start growing our conversations step by step yeah. because the people who have been a part of them then become the spruikers for the next conversation. Yeah, so good. And I love it. You're so right. And that's where we we really need to partner up with people who are who are going to come on this journey, try, put their, their toe in, realise that actually there's something amazing in this and then bring other people in on that. That's so powerful. Absolutely. Okay, some thoughts around topics. What are some good topics that you think might draw people to great conversations? Might draw people in. Yeah, look, good one. Um, I think education is a big one at the moment. Uh, I'm hearing it right from early childhood education, which in Australia, by the way, the industry is just shot to pieces. It needs Mm. rebuilding from the start. Um, And these are our kids, you know, our our precious little ones. Uh, And and they're not getting the care that they need because of the resources and the support not being there. So I think education right from there, right right through to to tertiary um, is Mm. something that people are more and more passionate about. Because we do hear it all the time that people saying, well, education is the way to, uh, you know, overcome this issue or that issue. Now, I'm not not totally convinced that that's true. I think education Mm. is part of the story. Um, yes. But I think education is is definitely something that will that will draw people, um, particularly as you think about all mm. of the rumours and things that have gone around the COVID nineteen and the vaccinations and the you know even the tests in the early stages. You know we've all got our five mm. um, G coursing through our veins now, and you know all of that sort of thing. So yeah. I think education uh, and the value of education is a good one. The other one, one of the other ones for me, and it's a little bit of a harder sell is around how we mobilise our communities to become active. Um, and mm, I think that that's like another that. really key, important mm. one, moving from passivity to being activists in our own community. Believing, yeah, you know, from, right. moving from believing that we have to wait for the government to fix it or for them to do it to realising that actually we can do it ourselves. Mm, um, and so for good. me, that's a conversation that, you know, I want to be a part of. I'm really excited about that about that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe and we should do, me, actually, that, no, 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 stop, stop, stop for a second. I've got to interrupt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's a good yeah, conversation we could have at the Global Human Intelligence Forum in October if you're around then. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. maybe we need to see if we could navigate a conversation around that. That would be so good. Mm. Anyway, yeah. keep going. Yeah, I, I just, that to... was one of those mm. moments. No, no, that, that <laughs> uh, I'd love to be mm. a part of that. 
Um, yeah. So I think that's another key one. And I think there'd be spin-offs from that conversation because as we mobilize <laughs> the community, they'll then say, you know, how do we deal with homelessness in our, in our community? How do we deal with poverty? Um, we're seeing the young people dropping out mm. of school. What do we do about that? They'll be saying, what do we do? And that's a yes. very important difference. Oh, what so do good. we do as opposed to they have to fix that? Yeah, so good. I love it. that. Mm. We change it. And for me, that's, that's where it's got to go. Ownership. Mm. Ownership. Right? Yeah. I love that. So that's what Oof. I there, – there are a couple of ones for me that I'd be jumping Oh, they were great. Mm. That was phenomenal. I love that. Hey, before I forget, how if people want to mm. know more about what you do and who you are and all that sort of thing, where's yeah. the best spot for them to connect to that? So they can go to our website. So I run a thing called the Centre for Building Better Community. And uh, our website is simply community.how, H-O-W. Um, so it's very easy to find. You can uh, just Google yeah, that awesome. and uh, you'll find out a bit more about us. We've got some articles up on our website that tell you a bit about the work that we're doing and our things that we're thinking about. Uh, yes. We're involved in everything from training to research to the kinds of events that, that you're talking about. Mm. Um, we're part of a, um, a global network called the Informal Settlements and Cities Consortium, where we work with uh, wow. informal settlements around the world. Uh, so there's a bunch of stuff there um, that we're involved in and we'd love people to connect with us. There's ways to do that on the website. I love that. That's amazing. Okay, so we've got to this point that is the only time I ask the same question in every conversation at the table, decision table, and that is what are you taking from our conversation today? Yeah, look, I'm I'm taking energy from a kindred spirit, which mm, is fantastic. Yeah, I've, I've loved the conversation because we're bouncing up against you know against each other, the ideas, and we're coming from a similar yeah. place. I always get energized by that. Uh, mm, I'm also taking the um, possibility of uh, you know doing some things in partnership. I always love talking mm. with people, and then thinking how can we actually work together? I'm a bit like you, so we can't do this in isolation. We've got to actually. No look at how we can work with others. So I'm always interested in, in those sorts of conversations and I can see mm. some potential avenues in the things that we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, look, it's one of your things there, community and partnerships. So, <laughs> so we're, we're together yes. on that one, which is, uh, which mm. is good. Um, so those two things are very energising uh, for me and um, this really encouraged about some of the conversations that you're involved in so there that's a real mm, encouragement to me thank you mm. and I think mm. and I think this is and I love what you said because in a lot of ways it's like that kindred spirit and and something that I'm seeing a lot within leadership right now is that and you've talked about it through this conversation as well and that is isolation uh, oh, in yeah. fact before before I uh, the world closed down and when I was being nomadic and we were literally on the road full-time for three and a half mm. years and before that mm. we were on the mm. road for a lot anyway. But one of the, mm. the pieces of and really the insights to a lot of my work on the ground in different cultures was this what I was calling at the time an epidemic I saw not just within leadership but across humanity and that was isolation this was before the absolutely. pandemic hit the world right oh yeah absolutely 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and I thought, oh, everyone's going to think I'm talking about isolation because of the pandemic. And so I had to sort of, yeah. you know, go, yeah. I don't yeah. even want to talk about that. But it is such nah. a... <laughs> It is such a damaging thing, isolation. And I think in work that we're doing, that is not always the conversation everyone's having at the table, not always something that's always received happily either because, like we said earlier on in the conversation, it's not always uh, what everyone's wanting to hear as how we want to change it or bring change Mm. or because they want to keep doing it in ways. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. You, know, yeah. Yeah. you say I'm encouraged. I I love the fact that I can, you know, see that there there's possibility for ongoing partnership here and things like that. Like I think in today's world, those moments are so, like I'm so grateful for those moments, right? Because sometimes in, in work that is not the normal, it can be quite isolating. Oh, uh, definitely. And- I so understand where you're coming from on that. And I just want to thank you for just being so real today, bringing your thoughts and also adding your value of your insights within your work with community. Because like we've talked about, we don't know what we don't know. But after today, there's more of an awareness that you've brought to this table. And I hope, I know for myself, there's pieces of it that I go, hmm, that's right. I've got to get back to that piece and go, mm. how can we do mm. that more effectively? And yep. I love how you kind of brought some of those things back into my 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 Great. focus again today, and that's what I'm taking mm. from it yeah. and going, okay, now that it's more of my focus, what do I need to pull apart here? How do I need to mm. have a better conversation and bring this in? as part of that. Mm, and there's mm. quite a few little pieces that you've mentioned in here that I'm right. going to be filtering through. So thank you for that. And just, and like I said, just being you and uh, being willing to come on here, even though we've never ever met mm. before. You came, you came highly recommended by, by a friend, by a good friend, John, uh, Johnny. So, oh, he's yeah. awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's an amazing so I, guy. You, you were already ahead of the game when Johnny says you got to meet this person and talk with this person. You go, yep, okay. <laughs> but you know, you know that moment though that you go, yeah, but I don't know why or what they're really doing. And I think this is part yep. of the interesting thing. Even just coming on the decision table, um, one of the things that I'm seeing is there's those that are really willing to just have a conversation, not knowing where oh. it's going. But I tell yep. you, there's a lot of people right now that are hesitant to come on because sure. what yeah. if we have a conversation and we don't know where it's going? By the way, no one yeah. ever knows where it's going on this table. We talk about anything and everything because how Absolutely. do we create an yeah. awareness if I know that I'm just going to ask you this question and we're going to go here? Like that's, yeah, that's putting sure. my biases. my con- And that's what I'm talking mm. about. When it comes mm, to sure. how do we bring people to a conversation when yeah, even absolutely. something like this can be frightening for many. Mm, mm. Right? Absolutely. 
it's a big it's a big challenge but let's do it yeah yeah <laughs> i reckon and i'm thankful for you today any words you'd love to that i haven't given you that moment that you really wanted to be able to say today uh is there before i end the broadcast by the way don't run away when i end the broadcast um yeah no, that's we will fine. be in, yeah. in a second yeah, look, a little bit like you. I came in with with no expectations, so there's no prepared speech mm. or or anything like that. I was just happy to see where the where the flute <laughs> uh, where the where, where the flow took us, and uh, I loved where it took us. So yeah, great conversation. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Can't say it better. I'm going to end the broadcast now. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe. Ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.